Welcome to the Legend of the Death Race podcast. I'm your host, Tony Matisse, and every week we share legends from past death racers on the courage, power, and wisdom it takes to conquer life's obstacles. All of us death racers aspire to inspire you to create a life past your limits. Today's legend follows the story of Frank Fumich. Frank has been around the endurance world for a long time, and he has done some very impressive stuff. He also started his own business 20 years ago. Uh, it's an airline catering company, and of course, currently he's having, you know, to deal with the less flights. So he's dealing with challenges daily uh, with having two twin girls and um, doing incredible things like riding across America and the Badwater 135 and Leadville 100 and... Western States 100 and and all of these incredible endurance events. But of course, the one that we're going to talk about today is the death race. Frank, so excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Tony. Nice to be here, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I've been looking forward to talking to you. Uh, This is definitely one of those legends I've been wanting to record. Um, You know, personally, I've heard about you, but never actually got to interact uh, personally because we were different death races. And uh, I just know that following you over the years has uh, been an incredible thing. You give back so much to the community. Uh, So I'm super excited to get your story. So welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, let's just get started. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yeah, yourself, like where you're from. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned your occupation. Give us a little bit of an athletic yeah. background. Uh, well, I'm 52 years old now. I've been born and raised and currently live in Arlington, Virginia. Um, an athletic background. So, well, I didn't start running until I was 30 years old. I was always, um, you know, athletic and coordinated, uh, but could never take any sport past high school. Um, you know, played all intramural stuff in college, just, you know, obviously for fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and didn't start running until I was 30 years old. I signed up, um, sort of on a whim. Uh, I had a, I had an aunt that was diagnosed with a brain tumor and I just got the idea to, uh, you know, try to come up with something painful and sort of offer it up while she was suffering through her cancer treatment. And, uh, you know, at the time, it's so funny looking back, I literally didn't think there was anything longer than a marathon, you know, <laughs> yeah. like endurance. I mean, I guess I knew of the Ironman, but a marathon, I was like, oh my God, that's like the hardest thing on the planet. So I just signed up for a marathon on, you know, a two months training and managed to do it. And then, you know, as they say, sort of the rest is history and just kind of kept going on from there. Yeah, incredible. I mean, from marathons to doing all these other uh, really big endurance endeavors. Certainly no, nothing more than your average athlete, you know, not not certainly not talented in any way. Yeah. So what made you decide uh, running? What was what was like the drive? Well, it just seemed like the easiest thing. You know, if you're going to start an endurance sport, if you're going to bike, you got to go out and buy a bike and you got to buy all the gear. And it just seems like a hassle where if you're running, you can basically just run out your front door and start. So, yeah, yeah it seemed yeah. like the easiest yeah, super low cost of entry. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, so, so you got into running. You started doing marathons. Uh, how old were you when you discovered the death race and you decided to do that? Um. So, geez, let's. So, death race was um 2011. I think I said right. So, yeah. so um, three. What was that? So I was like, yeah, 40, yeah, 43 ish. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I wonder what the average age of a death racer is. I never, I never thought of that. It seems that's probably about average. Maybe I don't know. Maybe a little old, on the old side. Yeah. No. You know. You know? Actually, looking at people I've talked to and everyone, I, I, th- I would say the average range is usually in that thirty to like forty-five, fifty range. 
Oh, okay. It's, def- it's definitely like that's the big group. Is that that group? Um, anyone younger than thirty or, or older than fifty is an Has outlier. They're, 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 the, they're the outliers, right? When they show right. up. But uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the average. I don't know what the actual average would be, but I would. Yeah. I would it's probably about average. I would guess thirty-five to forty would probably be that. You know. Right. The, big cluster people who have enough money to afford to go do something crazy like this and the time to train for it. But yeah. Um, how did you find the death race? So that's interesting because I was thinking about that myself. I climbed Aconcagua down in South America Uh and Joe, Joe DeSena was on my flight back. Oh, wow. I'm literally like stumbling out of the plane and some guy taps me on the back it was like, dude, I bet you just climbed uh, Aconcagua. And he introduced himself, and it turns out that my my coach for, you know, super long stuff, Lisa Smith-Batchin, was his coach or friend. So we had a mutual friend, and I remember him immediately, like within 10 minutes of knowing him, he's like, hey, let's go do every Ironman across the country this year or something like that, you know, and I – I think he had just sold his business and I, I was right in the middle of mine. I'm like, dude, I don't know if I can just, you know, go do every Iron Man in America, but that was my introduction to Joe. And then we became friends. And then at some point when he had the idea, you know, him or Andy reached out to me. He's like, Hey, we're starting this crazy race. I was like, all right, I'm in. So that's pretty much how. Oh, wow. That's incredible. So yeah. Once, once you found out about the death race from Joe and he's he's got you convinced and hooked to go do this thing, how did you how long did you have to prepare for it and how did you train? Uh, um, I so I did something else. You know, I was at that point I was you know in the midst of training for probably some ultra running race, so I was probably fairly in shape. I, I had a few months to prepare. Um. But, you know, I, I'm the type of person that likes to know what I'm getting into. So I was super paranoid about having absolutely no idea. Yeah. And I've just basically only done running races. And it was definitely out of my wheelhouse. So I remember just, I mean, I definitely winged it. But I was doing just, you know, body weight exercises and kettlebells and, you know, carrying a backpack, which I'd never done before. So I, I was just definitely winging it. But I was doing more than just running, for sure, because I was worried about whatever yeah absolutely all the unknowns and uncertainties <laughs> yeah so um did you have any fears going into the death race oh yeah dude totally like yeah. i said i don't like doing stuff that i don't know what i'm gonna do um and you know joe and andy will always like totally mess with you so they would just send me these bizarre messages and I'd, you know yeah i was definitely i was scared i was nervous i'm not sure about scared but i was nervous yeah you know yeah, i hate uh-huh. i hate failing and not even knowing what I could potentially be failing about was definitely making me nervous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That uncertainty can be like almost yeah. you know, paralyzed. You're like, oh shit. Um, sure. I, I think that's part of their their uh, chaos that they are able to to get into us. Yeah, and, def- and it definitely. And it does get you. It gets you scared. You're like, am I going to be able to make it? Am I going to finish? Right. Um, so, what was like the most uh, interesting thing you did at the 2011 death race? Um, I was trying to think of something, you know, we started off right off the bat with some, um, you know, we all got in a circle and they had these big ass, I don't want to call them boulders, but in my, in my brain, you know how we think back on it, everything's like 10 times worse than it was, but it seemed like boulders. They were large rocks. Yeah. And, you know, we had to basically like dead or, you know, squat, deadlift the rocks up. 
and then put it down and, you know, go in a circle for I don't even know how long. I'm, I'm afraid to say distances and times because yeah. in my mind it is probably wasn't nearly that. But then again, it was a death race. So maybe it was, but it was a hell of a long time. And I'm like, holy shit, am I going to like literally drop out on this first challenge because I've never done like a deadlift in my life? Yeah. So, you know, right off the bat, it was interesting, but it, it was the summer. Um, so it obviously wasn't the winter death race, but it was, it was cold. I mean, it was raining and we had to get in the, after the rock thing, we got in like a Creek or a river, a Creek, you know, it was like thigh or, or crotch deep. And we, we, we hiked up there. I, I want to say for a few hours, we had to get a fishing license and I was like, what is this? And we literally had to, we had a bag and we had to catch a fish. So, <laughs> you know, we're, I caught like a, you know, like a minnow right. and we were supposed to keep it alive. And I literally have to this day, have no idea what happened to my fish. I, I put it in a baggie in a pocket and have no idea if I ever saw it again. But I remember <laughs> like trying to catch a fish at night, you know, in my baseball cap. And, and yeah, so that's kind of how it started. So there was some water stuff um, that was pretty interesting. But yeah, I mean, nothing sticks out as like the one thing, but all added up, it was it was quite a challenge. Yeah, I, I've heard about the rocks. And so basically you guys were just literally picking them up and putting them down for like hours on end, right? Like yes. Was, and you're just going in a circle from one Exactly, rock. yes. That sounds painfully boring. I mean, for someone that's never like lifted, um, you know, outside of like a gym, basically, yeah, yeah it sucks. It yeah, sucks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, <laughs> do, do, do you um, remember any tasks that were that you would consider like the most difficult? Um, well, like, uh, so, you know, as I said, I'm a totally average athlete at best. And so I'm not all that fast. I, I was certainly not ones in the, in the, you know, leading the pack. And I remember we got to a field where there was like basically – um, stumps that had been cut. And obviously the faster you got there, you would get a smaller one. And I remember like getting, we had to get a big stump and we had, and we had to memorize a poem or a, a some kind of a quote, maybe a few sentences. I think other people will remember them. I have absolutely no idea what the quote was now. <laughs> memorize it and get this stump to the top of a hill, you know, and tell them the story. I call it a mountain and it's probably a hill. Right, but well. I had like a, I had a net and a rope and I mean, I could hardly get, it was big enough where I could almost not get it to my shoulder. I could get it to my shoulder, but it was so, you know, it wasn't like round and it was killing my shoulder. I could only take like 15 steps with it. And so I ended up just dr rolling and dragging that thing up there. And I literally thought that that looking back, just because the, you know, I'm not that strong, just the physical strength need for that was almost more than like, I could deal with the mental stuff and the cold, but if you're just not physically strong enough to pick up a, you know, stump and carry it, you just can't carry it. So I did, that was the one thing I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this up there, but I got it up there. Thank God. When I got down, I said that I recited it correctly or, you know, you, and I know people messed up and were like, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. So thank God I got that right. So that was probably actually the hardest thing, even though it wasn't even reasonably the longest challenge. Just hard in the sense of making sure you memorize it so you don't have to do it well, again. Well, yeah, but no, carrying but this awkward, heavy object. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a bitch. 
that yeah. was tough. Especially when it's like not something that you can just throw into a nice, comfortable position and you're sitting there like totally constantly moving around. Yeah, that's yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Um, during the event, do you remember like looking back what you you ate to sustain yourself? Um, let's see, nine years ago. I think all I had, well, you know, I did have a buddy that came up to sort of crew me and I had pizza. I was like, you know, I'm like a ham cheeseburger and pizza kind of guy, but I did have gels. Um, gels are always my go-to. So I'm, I don't specifically remember, but I, I'm sure I had a bunch of gels mm-hmm. and I'm, I had some sports drink and pizza. Yeah. And that was basically it. Would you say, what would you say the favorite, your favorite thing was? Oh, pizza. The pizza? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't say that, right? Just yeah. some just yeah. some calories and some good when you're, yeah. you know, yeah. tired and cold. Like, wow. And now since then, I mean, it's been, you know, nine years since then. You've been doing endurance for quite a bit. Has your, like, ways of eating and, you know, nutrient during a race, like, has it evolved? Has that changed? Yeah, I, I mean, I've always, I've never taken it super seriously. You know, I did the race across America. I realized I actually have the t-shirt on now. Yeah. I got serious when I did that. Um, now, it's funny you saying that because I'm, I'm, I'm evolving to all, getting everything seriously and now going cold turkey. So, yeah, I always had my sports drink gel. I would take a gel like every hour, a bottle, um, salt tabs. And then just recently... Um, a friend of mine, I went to Siberia and, and we, we traversed a frozen, um, lake there and raise a hob. He's a pretty famous Canadian ultra guy. And he, he turned me on cause I was trying to lose some weight, you know, at 52, like I put on 10 pounds and it doesn't come off anymore. So now this whole summer I've been running on zero. I wake up in the morning and I do my runs on zero. I don't take any sports drink. All I drink is water and I work out on an empty stomach. And I've almost run a thousand miles this summer on no calories. So now I'm, t- I'm, you know, trying to. Um, it's a thing. You probably know more about than I do. Yeah, yeah just trying to train my body to burn fat instead of. And I lost like twenty pounds, and it's. I mean, my performance sucks because I don't have any energy. But I'm doing it, and you know, lose. I lost a bunch of weight, and I feel good. So um, I've t- totally come full circle. But yeah, I, I had everything dialed in with the, you know, the drinks and the and the salt and salt tabs and electrolytes and the gels and all, and, and some food, my stomach would get upset during like really hot ultras and stuff. So I, I would have like a bland Turkey and cheese wrap and some mm-hmm. chips. And that was basically the only solid food I could eat for years during races. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Like it's hard finding the right things that you can, you can eat and keep yeah, going. And it's gotta be, you know, it's gotta be quick and easy and handy. Yeah. And that seemed to work for me. So that's kind of what, how my nutrition's developed and then come back. Yeah, totally. And like, I think going on the, the no food topic is it's interesting. Cause I've experimented with that too, with the keto yeah. diet and all that. Right. But, you know, it's you, the amount of energy stores that we have in fat, or there's just so much like it's, yes. once, once your body learns how to tap into that that's exactly I mean, it, it. it it's incredible what you can do you can go yeah, forever so I'm, I'm run just thousands exper- of I mean, miles and i don't think i'd ever run more than i may have pushed it and i mean i'd run a six mile or with like i wouldn't have sports or wouldn't have anything but if i was doing 10 or more i always had a sports drink in a gel like any marathon if i would forget my gels in my pocket it was like my cross i'd have like a panic attack mm-hmm, and totally during this summer i've run you know 26 milers with just water and never and never thought i could do that so it's kind of neat 
Yeah, it's actually incredible. Our, our human bodies can do some cool things. Totally. Uh, so, so during the race, you know, this this is a race that takes what three days sometimes, to, depending on how which one you're in. Yeah. Uh, I don't think mine was that long, but it was long. Yeah. yeah. How did you stay awake during it? Um, I mean, if I'm in the race moving, I'll just stay awake. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was no problem. I mean, you're in that kind of misery. The last thing you're, you just want to get it over with. I'm not the type. It will take naps or, you know, I, I go until I pass out basically <laughs> is my, is my thing. So I didn't have any problem. That's funny. I, so I stayed awake the whole time. No problem. We, we got a, they told us, or either we took a break or someone told us to take a break after like, I don't know, 48, 50 hours. And so I did take a nap and it was when I woke up from the nap, I was totally out of it. And we had to meet in the church. And I was freaking out because I was still like, when I wake up after a, two or three days of no sleep, it takes me a while to come back to reality. It's a little freaky. Like sometimes I've even forgotten, not only forgotten where I am, but forgotten who I am. Honest to God, in a couple yeah. races, it's really, kind of, it's really weird. But I woke up and went to the, the chapel and I was still sort of like not out of it not in it and i was because i know joe and andy i i thought for sure I, in my head i thought andy was gonna like pull me out in front of everybody and make me do some bizarre thing but then he said it was, it was, the race was over and we were all we all finished if we hadn't dropped out to that point so some people did more than i personally did you know we all did different i mean some people yeah. might have actually finished everything i didn't but i hadn't quit so we all finished but i thought he was joking and so in my brain I thought if we like said, okay, we finished and he was going to disqualify us. So like, I didn't know what the hell was going on, but yeah, but I did stay awake, you know, for the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Um, yeah. It's crazy how they can just totally get you so bad. Cause you're just like, <laughs> right. can, I can I trust them? Like, um, so did you see any hallucinations? Uh, no, I, I didn't. I do enjoy that when it happens, but I didn't see any then. No, no, okay. It's usually like after two days, like on the third night where I'll start, but two so nights, I'm pretty good. Yeah. The Legend of the Death Race podcast is brought to you by Trail Toes, the best anti-blister, anti-chafing cream there is. Trail Toes prevented me from having any blisters after 66 hours at the 2014 Death Race and continues to prevent blisters on all my mountain adventures. Get your jar of Trail Toast today. Use the code THELEGEND on trailtoast.com for 10% off your purchase. And don't forget to visit the Legend of the Death Race shop where you can grab a Memento Mori t-shirt or poster as a reminder to live your best life. Just visit legendofthedeathrace.com slash shop. How would you say you handle the controlled chaos of the Death Race? Um, how did I? Uh, well, I guess I handled it pretty good, especially since that was like my fear and really not knowing what's going on. But um, I handled it pretty well. I mean, I, I just kind of did each task that they told me and tried not to worry about what I didn't know or what was next. Yeah, I did okay. Yeah. It's it's one of those things I think um, some people handle it better than others, right? Like some people, like gets in their head uh, and then others Certainly. Like, whatever, you know. I, yeah. I, know, I know what you guys are doing. I mean, I, I kind of roll with the punches, I think. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, okay, so if you were to looking back i know it's uh, it's been a bit but if you were to pick like the three most essential items to have for the death race what would they be oh geez um well and i can't 
uh, in our particular, my particular race, I don't know if it was a total required list and if I brought anything outside of that. I, I mean, I had a camelback with me. Mm-hmm. So like I'm, I, I get, I sweat like no, no one's ever seen. And I, so I have to have, so that was, I had that with me all at all times. I think, um, I had a net. I remember that like save me, but God, three things, Tony, I'm not even sure I can give you a third thing. That's okay. Um, yeah. I don't know if I can think of three things that were a must. That's fair. Hydration is very important. I think that's probably the most, the most important thing anyone has out there. Right. (laughs) Um, so if you were to look back and try to think, what was your, you, you finished it. And after you finished it, like what was your most defining moment from that race? Um, you know, I'd say like, uh, the, uh, we had to go, I forget. I don't know what point it was like probably earlier on. We had to, um, go through a, a pond in like the middle of the night we had to swim across it i think there was a rope and i can't remember if it was over our heads or not but it was cold i mean even though it was summer it was damn cold and i you know i remember people freaking out when they hit like cold water man saps people's will like yeah. nothing else as did you do i don't know if you did the winter death race or like hats off to the winter people right hats off to them i did not like yeah but I did end up in you know, the reservoir at some point, and that took me out because of right. just, that cold Yeah, stuff. like cold water, you can see the looks in people's eyes when they are done. And so, and I always, you know, it's not like a race. Like, it was super camaraderie, as you know. I mean, I remember, like, you know, pulling people up Mud Hill. So you, but there, because when I go into races, I often feel like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I am way over my head. And, you know, I usually am not nearly, like, the best shape-looking person. And so I'm always feeling like I'm not worthy. But inevitably, in, like, a cold water scenario, when I see the life go out in other guys' eyes that I think look way more badass than me, I'm like, whoa. And, I, you know, I'm okay. Then it gives me some sort of confidence and strength. And again, not because I want to see anyone else lose there that that sparkle. But so I do remember seeing a couple guys just freaking when they hit that cold water. And once I got in, I, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'm totally over my head in cold ass water in the middle of the night, soaking wet. Like it can't get any. It's not going to get any worse than this. Yeah. Like this is as bad as it's going to get. And I'm I'm fine. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm good. Like, I'm just going to muscle through whatever, you know, at this point. So that was probably it. Yeah. That's a really reassuring moment to see people that you look at as being maybe more fit or tougher or whatever you want to give give the word and seeing them kind of falter and then you being able to, to withstand and, and, make it through the cold water you're like yeah cool i got this if i you know if that's how they're handling it and i'm handling it like this i think i'm gonna make it through that's a really good reassuring right. moment yeah exactly yeah totally totally um so do you think it's possible to finish the death race by following like all the rules by the book uh yeah I, yeah uh-huh. i think i did i'm trying to think of i don't think i did anything yeah i think sure yeah like, I, I asked the question because you know sometimes um people find ways like loopholes, especially because, you know, the, the rules are kind of abstract, right? Like, yeah, they'll, they'll tell you get to the barn and, you know, one guy rides a bike and one person, right. Whatever. So yeah, that's why I asked that question. Yeah. And, and I'm I always mean, curious. I, I, yeah, I'm trying to, I don't think, I mean, I wasn't, 
I don't. Yeah, I certainly didn't know of any shortcuts to take. Right. I'm right. not sure if I'd have been, you know, if I'd have had that choice, what I would have done. But yeah, I, I think you definitely can follow all the rules and finish it. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, it's like one of those things, too, where I wonder if there was a point where the death races switched and that started happening more or not. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I do know that, like, after the the year after you did it, Betrayal, that kind of set a very interesting stage because of everyone thinking people were betraying them. So right. people started getting more creative. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can, I can think that if you didn't, like, towards the end of it, maybe because I was sleep deprived, but I almost felt like Joe and Andy, like, ran out of things for us to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, in my brain, I thought they were just making it up as they go along. So, even though I was doing them, I was like taking it less seriously. It was becoming way less stressful because I figured they. Were, I thought he was just making it up. Like we chopped a bunch of wood. I mean, I thought he was going to make me like go do his laundry at some point. And he was just running out of chores for us to do. So I was like, okay, whatever. So I'm not sure if I would have even like if I had cut, I probably wouldn't have even thought I was because I I would have figured. Well, I don't even know if they care or know what we're doing, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's totally fair because I do think at some point they, um, I think they are just kind of making it up because you can only plan so much. Um, I, I've been on the planning side of these things, and right, sometimes people go through things faster than you expect them to, and it's yeah. like, okay, well, now what? Because we we're planning to have these guys here for a couple uh, more hours. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So going into like stuff like the death race, and I mean, just any of these really incredible challenges that you've put yourself up against like where does the courage come from to do these types of things uh yeah courage that's an interesting word i, I mean i i think um i like the challenge i i'm definitely not courageous like i'm i'm not sure if courageous people are scared like i'm legitimately scared of almost every big challenge I do. I always say, but it's okay to be scared as long as it doesn't stop you from starting. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think, uh, you know, bravery and I, I, you know, all those words, I guess it, it, they kind of work differently. Um, I, I am just intrigued of the idea of, can I do something? Mm -hmm. And the thought of failing scares me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just do it, but I, I don't know if courageous. Is the, is I mean, I think that's exactly. I actually think that is like the definition of courage because you're you're doing something that scares you. Yeah, I, I guess so. And it takes yeah, you to do courage, that. not bravery. It's definitely not, or you know, yeah, maybe being brave to start. I don't think you're scared of. <laughs> right. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't think it's bravery because bravery is a little bit different. Um, yeah. But but having the courage to you know to do something that scares you to sign up for it. Um, it's a pretty big thing. And a lot of people like, you know, wish that there's always that those people that are sitting there, you know, I wish I did this. I wish I could go here. You know, they don't they don't follow through. They don't have the courage. Right. To do times. Yeah, that's um, a good question. I don't know. I guess I just have the desire to just see what I'm capable of. Yeah. And, and I still try, even though I'm, you know, scared of them. Yeah, that's huge. And so just, you know, wanting to see what can I do? That's that's yours. That's where it comes from. Totally. Um what wisdom would you say you gained from doing the death race? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm not, um, geez, I'm not sure. Maybe, uh, like I said, that was the first race I ever did that I didn't know exactly how many miles this that, and the other. Um, I'm not sure about wisdom, just trust it. Have, like I said, after I went through that one water thing, just and learning to have confidence 
and um yes self-confidence i'm not sure about wisdom you know i I don't know i'm not sure if i'm any wiser but yeah yeah, that's a tough question i don't i wish i could get a little deeper on you i'm not sure i'm any uh, what wisdom i gained from it that's that's fair i mean it's been 10 years almost so you know it's it's hard to remember what yeah what you might have learned back then um do you you feel like do you feel like you changed at all from like who you were before that and to who you were after or was there any sort of transformation um i I mean i think i just gained more confidence yeah in myself and that Um, is pretty huge because that can lead to some of the big challenges yeah i mean i've done some i mean i've probably done way crazier things not crazier but physically harder things since then yeah. But it's definitely given me a quiet confidence, knowing that I can do uh, more than I'm capable than I thought I was capable of, and different things. I mean, I'd never even come close to doing those types of of strength type things, um, or any of that stuff. I mean, who 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 of us had really? Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, just a, just some com- more confidence I gained from it for sure. That's awesome. If you were, you know, look at some of these incredible challenges you've done since the death race, which one do you think was the most challenging that you've done? Oh, definitely Ram race across America. Yeah. What was, what was the the most challenging part of that? Well, combination, like most ultras, they all have time limits, but I still feel for, I mean, some stuff you've got to be pretty talented, but most of them, you can just not quit and keep moving forward and you'll pretty much finish. But something like RAM takes some actual bit more skill. I mean, I have no idea how actually I finished it. Um, and I didn't the first time. And the second time, I was actually a couple hours late, but I appealed it due to rain in like 10 states, and they gave me an official finish. So still wow. right on the edge. But you're talking about like the death race. I mean, none of us were sprinting, yeah. you know, two days. I mean, we had time to – certainly go at our pace as long as you just didn't quit but something like ram i mean you had to pretty much be to be pumping it for 20 plus hours every day for 12 days yeah and rain and and 100 i mean the heat and uh, i mean it's just yeah it was a level above yeah that is something that is a massive amount of effort i mean it's just totally dangerous and insane and for me it was way the hardest thing i've ever done yeah that's incredible kudos to you for uh riding all the way across America. <laughs> um, the race, you know, like it went at retirement, it came back, it's back. I mean, would you ever go back and do it again? I think I'm too old, Tony. No, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm too beat up. Yeah. yeah. I, I do stuff like a 22-year-old, but I feel like an 82-year-old, you know? <laughs> in the middle, actually. So, no, I think my death race days are, are behind me. The old man strength wouldn't come into play? I don't know. I think the old man strength is fading, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think. I mean, I actually had back surgery after the death race. Oh, wow. And I don't, yeah, I don't even know um, if this old bod could hack some of that craziness. Now, I think, I think I'm just going to tell stories, exaggerate the stories, even though they don't really need exaggerating at this point. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Sit around the campfire, tell all the grandkids. Right. Good to go. Yeah. yeah. Death race story. No, I think I'm done. That's, that's totally fair. Um, you've got so many other cool challenges that you've been doing anyway. <laughs> Keep you occupied. So, I always like to kind of ask this question more towards the end of the interviews. Um, and so when it comes to endurance, sports, racing, etc., are there any books, if there's someone that was out there like wanting to get into this, wanting 
to do a death race or a ride across America or a bad water or something. What book or books would you gift to that person? Oh God. So I used to read so many books. So I've got, I own an airline catering company and for the first 10 years, I did the catering myself and was in the truck and between flights, I would just read like we're becoming, we're becoming like a legit expense, you know, like two and three books a week. But I, I liked, you know, nonfiction adventure books. That was my Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a zillion of them and I've read so many. I mean, the first one that I read and probably anybody that loves adventure is like into thin air the, you know, tragedy story. I read that. And that literally, I think, got me into thinking like, wow, like, what would that be like? And probably got me started mountain climbing. And, you know, now I'm five, five into the seven summits mm-hmm. myself, probably from reading into thin air. So that like everybody's got to read. Um, another great adventure book was The Long Walk. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I've heard of that one. Yeah. Um, it's such an awesome book. It, it was based on a true story. I've since read that maybe much of it might have been fictionalized, but I like to believe it's, you know, as as real as it could be. And that was an incredible, and that really got me thinking about some of these like stage races that I've done in deserts and, you know, I've done a ton of those and really going way out there. Um, I would recommend that book. Um, and then I got into like, um, you know, adventure survival, survival books were my thing. And, you know, from shipwreck, survival books yeah you know sailboats survive you know uh, strand uh, marooned on desert island uh, adventure books those were all good um shipwreck book the um the shipwreck of the whale sh- the the shipwreck of the whale ship essex i think it was called which was moby dick was based on that was a, a m- incredible survival you know i become obsessed with just like the, the most horrid circumstances you could find yourself in and could you survive you know could i survive that's what you think when you read it um my dad was a world war ii veteran so i've read tons of world war ii books um and there was a and there was a, a book um miracles on the water okay I think a ship a u.s ship got torpedoed but it was carrying civilians and they were in lifeboats and it was an incredible story miracles on the water um, skeletons in the Sahara, on the Sahara, in the Sahara was another shipwreck book that was incredible. Um, the first heroes was a book about the Doolittle raid in World War II, an incredible book. I don't know. I'm just totally randomly rattling them off. I love it. I love it. I love hearing all these books. Incredible adventure survival books. I mean, now I read like horrible political books and they all suck they're, they're all scary and inevitably half the people will hate you for telling them you like it and the other half will agree with you so we won't go in, into that but yeah um, yeah but those those adventure survival books were pretty great adventure survival books are great like they're inspiring they're motivating and, and totally. you learn a lot from them sometimes like like in yeah. the air is one where you you learn some lessons i think yeah sure. um, yeah i think all of those books sound great i know in the mean, years only do, I know, like on a mountain i read books about the mountain mm-hmm. obviously yeah uh, you know they usually scare you but the, you definitely want to hear you know i i attempted denali last year did not summit but i read a couple of denali books beforehand and i was like whoa so you know i like to read up on stuff that i'm gonna read a ram book before i did ram so yeah I'm definitely reading about what i'm gonna do attempt 
Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense because it gives you some input, helps you out, helps helps you understand the expectations a little bit more of what you're getting yourself into. For sure. Yeah, I think that's some good advice for anyone out there. Like, read the books on what you're trying to do if they exist. Yeah. Um, well, Frank, it's been super awesome connecting with you and, and hearing a little bit about your legend from the death race. Uh, if you want, this is a great opportunity for you to tell everyone how they can uh, stay up to date on some of the cool things that you're you're doing in your world. Oh, uh, really? You know, I'm big on Facebook. That's about, um, you know, I, I raise a lot of money for different charity, kids with cancer and people with cancer. And so I always um, share them on social media. That's the best way to um, to raise money and raise awareness. And it, there's not too many Frank Fumix out there. So it's pretty easy to find me on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes so they can find you on Facebook and Sweet. Especially on some of these cool uh, charities that you're doing. Uh, I know that you just finished one up. Are you doing any currently or have any coming up? Uh, charities? No. You know, I, I, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I just sort of made it up as I went along, but I helped one of my, one of the, one of the kids I highlighted during Race Across America, he relapsed for the third time. So I just, I just ran like 20 days in a row and, and uh, raised some money for, for his care, but I don't. You know, I don't really plan them. People reach out to me, and if it hits my heart a certain way, I, I go for it, and um, I'm sure I will. But no, right off, right now, I don't have any plan. Yeah, well, I mean, it's absolutely incredible what you do for everyone, and, and, and how much you give back. And I think everyone in our community really loves seeing the the, the challenges oh, and thanks, obviously the uh, the giving back that you do because it's it helps it helps these yeah. people, and it's awesome. So thank you, uh, thank you again for being on the show, and stay tuned for more legends from past death racers. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. This really helps the podcast move up the rankings so we can reach even more humans. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you find you really enjoy what we're doing, consider becoming a sustaining member by clicking the link in the show notes. Just a quick reminder, my legend, The Legend of the Death Race book, is now available. Visit legendofthedeathrace.com book to order your copy today. Thank you again for tuning in. If you'd like to stay up to date on my current adventures and training, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Just search the handle at That Endurance Guy or visit thatenduranceguy.com. We'll see you next time on the Legend of the Death Race podcast. Now go create your own legend.